Hey friends, welcome to episode 125 of the Fierce Calling Podcast. I'm Doris Swift and I am so thankful that you're listening in and thankful is a very popular word this week. Can you believe it is Thanksgiving already? And we are not back in our home yet since the storm hit and our house got flooded, but we will be spending Thanksgiving at our daughter Lisa's and our whole family will be joining in in that celebration. And I love the verse in Psalm, Psalm 100. Four, which says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. And this show is really a blessing, especially for this week. It's going to bring hope and encouragement. My guest this week is Diana Mood, and she grew up in a chaotic environment And we're going to hear how she survived and how she actually could thrive in brokenness and encourages us how we can do the same. Godly family members led her to Jesus and she's been clinging to him ever since. And through difficult seasons of brokenness, Diana discovered the sustaining power of God's presence. And that's what we are talking about today. We're also talking about her longtime friendship with Johnny Erickson Tata, which is really cool and interesting to hear about. So listen in while I have a chat with Diana Mood. It's going to inspire, encourage, and challenge you. But first, here's a message from Access More. Do you want to go deeper in your faith even while you're on the go? No matter how busy the season you're in, Access More has a library of faith-based podcasts to help you grow spiritually with podcasts from Christian thought leaders such as Christine Kane, Lisa Harper, Taryn Wells, and Bob Goff. You can hear podcasts on religion, culture, family, entertainment, and so much more. Access More gives you a safe space to find inspiring conversations about faith. Start listening today at accessmore.com or the Access More app. Welcome back to the Fierce Calling Podcast. I am so excited today to have my friend with me, Diana Mood. I met Diana at the Blue Ridge Mountain Christian Writers Conference, and it it was just God's idea that he put us together. And so it's just amazing. And she had written a book that I picked up at the conference called Enough, Learning to Survive and Thrive in Brokenness. And I read that book cover to cover within just a couple couple of days. And uh, Diana, she is just an amazing woman of God. She's a granny, which I love because I'm one too. And she is an encore navigator. She's a speaker, a trainer. She's a disability advocate and entrepreneur. She just has so many things that the Lord is doing in and through her. And we're going to talk about these things and more. And welcome to the show, Diana. It's so great to have you on. Well, thank you, Doris. This is a this is a great joy and honor for me to be here and to and to speak to your audience. Thank you. We are so blessed to have you. And I just was drawn into your book from the beginning, and it just was a powerful story that you tell in the book. And I know that we had asked the Holy Spirit to just lead this conversation. So if you could share a little bit about your story and then how you are taking action where your passion, compassion, and conviction intersect. Well, I, um, I became a believer when I was five and I grew up in a very chaotic environment. And my grandmother 
um, explained to me who Jesus was. And I needed an anchor for the soul and somebody to trust in the middle of the stormy seas I was born into. And I just embraced, I just embraced the gospel. And from there on, I, I very quickly developed a real hunger, an intense hunger for God and, and just pursued every avenue I could uh, to learn uh, more about him. Mm. And that's kind of how I started. I, I was very privileged to be born into a, um, uh, a family that was, they were all believers and we went to a wonderful, wonderful church. And uh, I was on the cradle roll and uh, um, I had an aunt Blanche who mentored me. She was wonderful. And I learned, uh, I memorized scripture. I meditated on scripture. Uh, I developed a lot of friends uh, who were also believers. And I really learned, uh, I was like a sponge. I, I learned everything I could. I just wanted to pursue uh, Christ with my whole heart. And when I was 13, I made a campfire commitment um, and said, okay, Lord, here, here I am. Send me. I'm all in. Not knowing all exactly what that would mean. Mm. <laughs> well, he was sure letting you know as the years went by. <laughs> right, Diana? Yeah. Right, right, yeah. right, right. I love that campfire commitment. That That's awesome. You know, there's probably been a lot of campfire commitments out there. Yes, and, yes, yes. If I'd have known what I was doing, I still would have made it. So <laughs> it's exciting. If, if I'd known what was coming. Yeah. yeah. And it, it's just so encouraging how God placed such godly women in your life, in your family early on for grandma to lead you to, to Jesus, you know, and that you had a, a, an aunt that was pouring into you as well. And then just the hunger. It's kind of like, you know how that commercial used to be, Lay's potato chips, you can't just eat one. (laughs) Yes, right. You know, kind of like that. Only potato chips aren't really good for us, but Jesus is good for us. So I don't know if that analogy or whatever you'd call it was... (laughs) was a good good one but anyway I just you know it makes you think about how when you have a taste of something you know how the word says taste and see that the Lord is good that when you have a taste of something especially how you were talking about in your book and also what you were just kind of mentioning early on when we first started the show about the dysfunction and brokenness and how you know it does cause us to hunger for something real and something good. And, you know, and, and God put that in us, right? So how did that go with, you know, as you grew and then you started drawing nearer to God and what did that look like in your life at that time? Well, one of the unique things about my story is that uh, the chaos never stopped. Um, it was just intense. It, uh, things got more uh, difficult as time went on, and it it became um, a life giving exercise to uh, just cling cling to Jesus. And uh, when I was when I got the at the Sela convention, um, I got a second place award for a memoir, and and everyone was uh, you know leaping across the stage and smiling at the crowd and uh, getting their picture taken with mm-hmm. great big smiles and and when my name was called I I burst into tears I could hardly make it up the stairs I could hardly make it across the stage and when I got down to the photographer 
I, I, I couldn't smile. So when the pictures came online and <laughs> I saw everybody they had great big smiles, these are great promo photos. This is just a terrific opportunity. And I looked at myself and I had this, this, uh, I don't know, it wasn't smiley. It was just, mm-hmm. I, I was just overcome uh, with thankfulness uh, for all that God had brought me through and that I would receive this award from my peers for sharing my very difficult story in a very transparent and intense and honest and real way. Um, my pastor, when he read it, I said, uh, Pastor Gary, what are you thinking? He leaned over the desk and he looked me straight in the eyes and he said, Diana, it's like you're standing naked on Times Square. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh my goodness, what have I done? Mm-hmm. And I hid in my friend's apartment for a week because I was afraid of what everybody would think for me, uh, think of me. But I, I just am so grateful that God led me through this journey. It wasn't my story; it was His. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you asked me a question about what sustained me through all of this, and and I, I hadn't been asked that question quite that way before. Is it all right if I address that a little bit? Oh yes, please. I don't like christian cliches and i don't like superficial answers and i don't like over spiritualized answers and so as i thought about what i would say uh i couldn't avoid uh, talking about the sustaining power of god's presence Mm. that was poured out over me through the power of the holy spirit and it, it really enabled me at five to believe and receive his mercy and grace um, and to trust in his word. Um, I mean, I was clinging to it for a, like a lifesaver. Um, and Romans 15, 13, you know, may, God, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I thought, okay, all right, that sounds really good. And the only <laughs> thing that's required of me is to trust him. So I, uh, I, I really put to use all of the Bible verses and, and scripture memories that I had learned. Um, and another thing is that hope in, in and claim his promises in Hebrews 20, I mean, Hebrews 10, 23, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he is, uh, he who promised is faithful. Um, I got a little story about that. One time when it was, it was something happened and it was just absolutely crushing and I mean, I was numb. I, I went up on the uh, the second floor back porch and it was a very dense fog. I, I couldn't see anything. And I was just crying out to God, Lord, help me, help me. Uh, I just don't know what to do. And off in the distance, there was a horse barn and it had a light on the end of it. And between the barn and where I was sitting, there was this thin little string of light that came right to me. And immediately, the verse came to me, um, a lamp unto the Lord is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And I began to remember all of the promises, all of the, the uh, journeys that he had taken me on and the faithfulness of his answered prayer and um, his mercies are new every morning. And I, and I said, Lord, I don't know the answer to this. I don't know the why, but I know you. Mm-hmm. And it, so that's a, it's very important to hope and claim his promises. And then probably the most difficult thing, which doesn't fill the pews or the uh, offering plates on Sunday mornings, was to learn how to embrace the brokenness. 
Um, I, I don't hear very many sermons on that. Even popular TV evangelists, uh, they very seldom talk about that, embracing the brokenness. And, and a classic verse on that is Romans 5, 3 through 5. You know, we glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces um, perseverance. And, uh, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who had been given to us. And that is very true. Uh, when I learned to embrace the brokenness, I began to experience real deep intimacy with Christ. Thank you for listening to this episode that is part of the Spark Media Network that can now be heard on the Edify app. When I learned to embrace the brokenness, I began to experience real deep intimacy with Christ. And, and eventually, not, not in the beginning, but eventually I learned to claim real joy in all of these things that had happened to me. I mean, I have, I mean, I can just give a very brief list so that your listeners can understand what I'm talking about. I, I don't know how many things are on my list, but the Financial insecurity, emotional abuse, shame, loneliness, low self-esteem, betrayal, abandoned, false accusations, shattered dreams, loss, failure, divorce, temporary blindness, double mastectomy, drug and alcohol addictions, attempted and accidental suicide encounters. I mean, I could just go on and on. And and it still continues even to this day. Um, but I've learned... Um, that the best way to deal with these things is to believe and to trust and to hope mm-hmm. and to embrace the brokenness. Yeah, that is powerful. And thank you for sharing all that. God does call sometimes for that level of vulnerability because of you sharing what you've been through, that it can help other people find healing through Christ too. And as you were saying, the suffering is just like drawing us even closer in an intimate relationship and intimacy with Christ. And you had given me some information prior to the podcast in this one quote that you said was really impactful. And it, it's, it reads, God permits what he hates to accomplish what he loves for his glory and our good. And if you could, elaborate a little bit about that it seems like it kind of goes along with what you were just talking about right i i um steve estes and i and steve came up with the majority of it i added the, the tail end of it we spent many hours with johnny earl uh, johnny tata johnny Harrison tata early on her in on her journey of quadriplegia when it was i mean who <laughs> how can you accept uh, that let alone um, find any joy in it. And we, we struggled through the scriptures for many, 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 many days. Uh, and, uh, this is sort of the conclusion we came to. And, uh, I liken it to, uh, it's the crucifixion. God permitted his son. He became a human being and, and, and died on the cross, uh, and in Gethsemane, he said, Lord, not my will, but yours. And he did it for the joy that was set before him. He endured the cross. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, this is, why? Why did he do that? 
why did God permit his son, uh, something that he hated, uh, to, he did it to accomplish what he loves, which was our redemption, our salvation, our, our being reunited with him uh, for eternity and, and for his glory. And so that's really what it means. Uh, it, it comes off of a lot of different things, but the best passage that I know of, which I've used many times in Africa and, and uh, all over the place, but Philippians 3, 10 through 11, uh, there's, a, there's a passage where Paul's uh, trying to explain this concept. And, uh, and so I'll say to the audience, I'll say, okay, how many people want to know Christ? Oh, everybody's hands go up. Yes, yes, we want to know him. And the next phrase in this little set of verses is, and the power of the resurrection. Well, they may sing when they're in Africa. They like to sing, oh, power, power. Everybody's going up. Place is going nuts. And so the next phrase is the fellowship, to, to embrace the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. Wow. Nothing. No hands, nothing. They just, you know, looking at me. To become like him in his death. Well, then there's just silence. And, and what I try to help them understand is that by having, by believing and trusting in Jesus and his unfailing love, that he will carry you through whatever it is that, that he has allowed into your life, that he's permitted into your life, you are entering the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings and becoming like him in his death. If you, if you can see it from his point of view and not your own, uh, not the story I, uh, I wanted my, for my life, but the story that he gave me because it has purpose in it. And when I embrace that, rather than asking him to remove it, which is okay to ask him to remove it, but if he doesn't, at the end of all of that, you will know him more intimately than you could ever imagine. You will experience the power of the resurrection to overcome whatever uh, obstacles are in your way. And, and you will embrace what these things are. There's an old um, uh, Puritan pro, uh, poem that says, uh, let me find your light in my darkness, your life in my death, your joy in my sorrow, your grace in my sin, your riches in my poverty, your glory in my valley. I mean, it's really a deep concept, but I think all of the Christian life, all of the sanctification process hinges on the ability to understand what this is, the, the dying and rising with Jesus in everyday life. Mm. And then becoming like him in his death is love and action. I mean, I think this is uh, one of the reasons that compelled me to make that commitment to Johnny after she broke her neck. It was, mm. it was love and action. I mean, there were other things that were going on. Also, she was very needy and I thought I could help her and I needed a safe place to be and all these other things. But I think in the end, it was love in action. And that's what this is all about. Yeah. Wow. That is such a, a powerful thing, you know, bring, laying that all out because the world looks at suffering and all of that as a way to say well how can there be a god you know it's it's like a a twisted upside down worldview about suffering because they're using that to prove god's not doesn't exist but it doesn't hold water because of exactly what you were just saying that the suffering actually 
is part of the story of drawing us closer and being united with Christ in suffering. Um, and like you said, not that God wants us to suffer, but because he will do that for our good and his glory and for our purpose. Like you were saying earlier, your life might not be the, the life that you would have chosen. We can all say that maybe about the different things that we've had to go through in our lives, but for his bigger picture and for his glory and his plans that he has for us. Because sometimes we'll read that Jeremiah scripture, you know, oh, the plans 2911, <laughs> and it's like, oh, they're all going to be great plans, and they are good plans because it's all good because God is good. But sometimes the plans will include, like things that you said, like he will allow that to happen. And I think that hearing that and how you said it so beautifully too is – really impactful, not only to the believer that's listening, but if there's someone who is not yet a believer or someone who's not sure about, well, what is all this Jesus thing about? And, you know, what is, what does it mean to be born again and saved and all of that? But this kind of is a powerful thing to think about that it's not the suffering that disproves God's existence, but actually is that we know him closer and more intimately we live in a fallen world mm. and because of that bad things happen to people and everybody has a story i mean everywhere you look things happen to people uh, as, as, as god permits things to happen i mean johnny dove off of the ramp and broke her neck mm. you know and i've made some choices that weren't the best ones ones for me but um in the face of that, uh, if we money or fame or um, notoriety or uh, all of your wishes uh, uh, being granted, uh, do not fill the spot uh, uh, in your inner core for significance and purpose in this life. Mm. And the only thing or person who can is Jesus Christ. Amen. And um, when people are busy about accumulating money and wealth and power and, and, and popularity and, and everything else, they're too busy uh, to think about God. They're, they're still very needy because none of these things satisfy. I mean, right. there's another verse that says he, he satisfies our deepest longings. Yeah. And um, the, that goes to the title of the book. I, as I was writing it, I get to the end of each, chap, each chapter and I just cry. And I'd say, God, I, you know, I have had enough. Yeah. You know, I feel like a 20th century Job. Um, there's, there's no let up here. I, I really have had enough. But in the end, at the end of every chapter, it was clear to me that God was more than enough. Mm. That even in spite of all of this, he was still more than enough. And I was thankful for all that I was and all I was becoming and all he'd done for me as I, as I look back over the years, even now. And so Thanksgiving is important and remembering these things is very important. Mm. Besides the brokenness in the world that we have and the hardships and the hard seasons in life, you know, there's always that constant, abundant, overflowing joy that we have in Christ, you know, Christ in us is the hope of glory. And yes, 
and in Jesus, you know, how he talks about in John 15, that he, he just tells us, you know, to abide in him and, and in his love and that his words and he abides in us and that his joy is in us, that our joy would be full. And so all of these things kind of intertwine like a, a tapestry, you know, and as some people would liken a tapestry to the front is so beautiful and then the back is kind of messy, but that's how life can be. But how you were talking about enough being the book you wrote that you've had enough and then, but through this journey, always continually finding that Jesus is enough. And so what, what was it like? Was it a healing process for you to write this book? Yes, it, it really was. As I wrote, you know, I mean, every page, every paragraph, I kept thinking about people like me. Mm. There are a lot of people like me, uh, nameless, faceless, um, seemingly unimportant people who, who struggle alone and they had questions and they're too ashamed to say anything and, or they blame themselves and suffer with guilt and they become ill actually, uh, um, because they're scapegoated or, um, or whatever. And they, they need hope. And, uh, by my determination to be real, uh, to not sugarcoat it, to say that the way it was, uh, I hope to reach them and let them know that they're is another way to look at this and there is hope i i have a very famous author friend here who lives in my retirement community and i said Lori, i said uh i said what do you think of my book she said oh it was brutally honest and i said well when people are writing memoirs isn't that how they ordinarily do it he said not she said no she said almost nobody does that i said well what did they do and she said they write fiction <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And I thought, well, that's not very authentic. Right. So <laughs> Yeah. And truth is stranger than fiction, right? Yeah, yeah. And so I, I needed to be authentic. And I, I yeah. was I was doing it. And sometimes I wanted to stop. Other people wanted me to stop too. Uh, mm-hmm. but I, I I I knew that they were out there, that people just like me and 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 they needed hope. And my prayer is that by by saying it the way it is that that people can identify knowing that there are others like me out there who have encountered similar things and that we have overcome through the grace of God and that he is much more than enough you know at this point in my life I'm 73 the uh, the race looks a little different when you're (laughs) rounding the final curve and you really understand what's important Mm. and I I went from a 10,000 square foot home in the country mm-hmm. with three acres and, and horses country you know next to the state park to a very small apartment in a retirement community and um i've had to let go of everything but as i look at it it was like you know, these things really aren't important they're not what is important mm-hmm. what will last what will make a difference and i i think I hope this story will make a difference. I hope these words will make a difference. And it's not things. It's it's not honors. It's not awards. It's it's not any of those things. It's Christ. It's it's just Christ. And and one day we're going to have to let it all go anyway because you can't take it with you. And and it and and it really does. It really does put things into uh, sharper focus. Yeah. 
in the book too, it is very transparent. You're transparent. And that was how the Lord led you to write it, to share those things, because obviously our flesh doesn't feel warm and fuzzy about sharing that kind of stuff, but the Holy Spirit was prompting you the things that needed to be in there, and it, it will help other people. And it was a, a sweet surprise, the relationship that you had with Johnny Erickson Tata, because when I first bought the book, I realized she wrote the foreword, and I thought, oh, that's that's cool. Um, but then as I read into it to see how your relationship was during that time when you were both younger and you had actually known her before she had the accident and all of that and and how your lives intertwined and how God intertwined that for a season for several seasons doing the things that he had you doing with her ministry and then you going on with your ministry in in Africa and all the different things that he had you doing and it was just really really an amazing story to read through and see because Jesus came through all the hard things, you know, that you had talked about throughout your life. And so many people can relate to the things that you were talking about in the book. So I would love if you would share how the listener can connect with you and then how they can grab your book. And if there's any last things that you feel the Lord is leading you to share with those who are listening right now? Well, the best way to uh, connect with me uh, is uh, through Facebook and Facebook Messenger. I I put up, I share other parts of my life um, that are related to my story on the Facebook page, mm-hmm. and I respond pretty quickly to Messenger. I also have an email address that's uh, dianamood at dianamoodauthor.com, and I would like to say one other thing. Right now, I live in this retirement community, and it's just a wonderful place. And uh, when I lived out in the country in this beautiful house, I lived on the hill. I didn't have any neighbors. Mm. There were 10 people in the living, in living in the house, but I didn't have any neighbors. <laughs> so here, I have 2,000 neighbors. Wow. And there are 1,000 employees. And the minute I step out of my apartment, <laughs> There's all these people. And when I came here, I said, okay, Lord, you know, I don't know who you want me to talk to. What do you want me to do? So I decided to sit down. We have five or six uh, very nice restaurants here and, and uh, cafes and things. So I said, okay, well, I'm just going to sit down at these tables and, and wait for you to bring people to me, to talk to me. And the conversation invariably goes to these things. Mm. One particular in the story I'll end with. Uh, a lady named Dorothy. This happened a week or two after I got here. She, she she sat down and she was very aggravated with her church. And she said, um, you know, what do you think about this? And we got into a rather lengthy conversation. And she said, are you a nun? I said, no, I'm not a nun. And she said, well, you know an awful lot about the Bible. I said, well, I've read it a few times. And she said, well, I really enjoy this conversation. I, I want to do this more. Can I come back again? I said, sure. And she said, can I bring a friend? I said, fine, that's great. <laughs> So she brought this friend and, and uh, the friend's name was Dorothy. And we met a couple of times and, um, and I shared the gospel with her uh, each time that I saw her. And the last time that I saw her, she, uh, she got really tearful and, and she, the tears were coming down her face. And I said, Dot, what's the matter? And she said, how do you know this is true? You seem so certain. How do you know it's true? And I said, do you have a Bible? 
He said, yeah. And I said, have you read it? Well, not very much. And I said, but could, could you find the book of John? Yeah, sure. I said, you know how to find chapters? Yeah, chapters. He said, well, look at look up John chapter three. Jesus is having the same conversation with a guy named Nicodemus. The same question you've got. <laughs> can you do that? And she said, yeah, I think I can. Mm. Well, two days later, she had passed away. Wow. And this, this is a thin place. Mm. And the median age is like 85 or 86. Mm-hmm. And people, a lot of people are like me. They're, we're on, we're rounding the last lap on this course. And mm-hmm. you think people are kind of set in their ways, but they really begin to think about what's going to happen when that day arrives. Mm-hmm. And I want to be available yeah. for the ones who are who, that God is pursuing on hot pursuit for. And I'm going to be sitting in the path, and and He's going to bring me right to them, and I'm going to help them understand. Uh, what I've discovered and and what we can find in Jesus. Yeah, that is an amazing story and so precious. It's just so precious and so cool. God put you on a mission field there. And absolutely, you know, that is like a huge mission field that he has you on and for you to share this truth with people and for it to be a partnership with him, like how you're conversing with him and you're saying, Lord, here I am. You sent me and I'm here. Now, who are you going to send me? And instead of trying to make things happen like on your own or manifest things happening because you have to check a box, you know, how many people you did this for or whatever, but you're open to the divine appointments that are meaningful. And that is the sweetest story there about our friend Dot. And we're going to see her when we get there. It's so exciting. Yes. <laughs> I've so never exciting. shared the gospel as much in my entire life as I have since since I came here six years ago. It's just been amazing. Wow. And that is so encouraging for someone listening today to not beat yourself up if you feel like you haven't been doing enough for the Lord or you haven't been sharing enough or whatever. You know, just turn that over to him and allow him to show you where these divine appointments are. Every morning, say, Lord, here I am. I'm I'm ready to... Show me what you have for me. Open my eyes to those things that you want to put in front of me today so that we don't miss it. Because we can miss stuff so easily, can't we, Diana? Yeah, go go sit somewhere in a public place <laughs> without your phone. Yeah. <laughs> and just just be looking around. They'll, he will bring them. Yeah. <laughs> Believe, trust me, he will bring them. Yeah, that is so powerful and, and, yeah, and really encouraging. And that he will also help you to know what to share and what to say. Because that's exactly. another thing, you know, people can be intimidated by, well, gosh, okay, so he's going to send me somebody, and then what do I do then? It's like, well, you just allow the Holy Spirit to work through you, and things will come out of your mouth that you had no idea that's that you were going to say. Absolutely. You know, he brings stuff back to our remembrance, right, of the things we learned, like how you led that woman to that specific place in John that changed her trajectory of her life here on earth as she was going to be ushered into the kingdom. Just a few days later, we never know the impact that that can have on someone's life. So thank you so much for sharing all of these things. It's been such a joy and a pleasure. And I can just talk to you for another few (laughs) hours, but that means I'll just have to have you on again sometime. I have lots of stories. (laughs) Yeah, we we just (laughs) scratched the surface, really. (laughs) So I will have to have you on again, my friend. And May the Lord continue to abundantly bless you in that place that he has you in right now and the season that you're in. 
and the light that you're shining where he has you. It's just really exciting. And, and friends, don't forget to pick up enough learning to survive and thrive in brokenness. And I will have the links in the show notes to where you can find the book and where you can connect with Diana. So thank you, friend. Uh, This has been so great. And we will talk soon. Thank you, Doris, for giving me this opportunity to speak to your friends. God bless you. You too. Thank you so much for listening. And I hope you were inspired and encouraged by what Diana shared today. And be sure to pick up her book, Enough, Learning to Survive and Thrive in Brokenness, and pick up some extra copies to give us gifts. And I love a few of these different quotes that I'm adding in the show notes where she said, I just wanted to pursue Christ with my whole heart. And how she talked about learning to embrace the brokenness. And it was really encouraging when talking about why she wrote the book. She said, I knew that they were out there, the people just like me. And they needed hope. There's so many people out there who are searching for answers, searching for hope. Jesus is their answer and their hope. Jesus is our hope. And so friends, I hope you have a blessed and happy Thanksgiving. Be sure to check out the show notes so you can find out how you can connect with Diana. I'm sure she'd love to hear from you. And don't forget, friends, I would love to chat about speaking at your next women's event. So reach out to me at doriswift.com or womenspeakers.com and let's chat about that. I will be booking up the rest of 2023. And I hope you join me next time when I talk with another woman who's taking action where her passion, compassion, and conviction intersect. Until then, friend, have a blessed week and I'll talk to you soon.